everyone, and welcome to another episode of Cisco Champions Radio. I'm Lauren, also known on Twitter as Lauren, and your host. Um, but the important people here are, we've got Darren Williams, who is our Hyperflex Anywhere expert. Hi, Lauren. And then we have our Cisco Champions, who are Darren Fulwell and Colin Litch. And um, Darren with two R's, Darren Williams, why don't you just kick us off, who are you, what do you do, and then we'll have our other guys do quick intros as well. Sure, so I, I work in Cisco Amir organization, lead Hyperflex from a technical and sales uh, element. I come from a technical background, so. So we'll not mock you for being in sales? No, I, I actually, uh, sales guys. in terms of sales, I, I'm sales with conscience, obviously sales coming from the technical background. I like it. Um, so I, I lead that organization and we, we've been, um, the advocacy of in terms of trying to set that market around incubation technology for the last three years, where we're growing the business, and uh, getting the uh, specialists and the, uh, the technical community more comfortable with the technology so they can go and lead with it as well. Cool, all right, Colin Lynch. Morning, yeah, uh, my name is Colin Lynch. Um, been a long-term data center consultant. Started off you know, in the days of Novell and Microsoft Networks and then gradually got into Cisco. Um, I know UCS pretty well. Um, as Wait, what's your, yeah, I was about, do you know it, something? A little bit about UCS, so yeah, Twitter handle was UCS Guru, or is UCS Guru. Um, haven't really been touched UCS for a little while now, been on different oh projects, I, just the projects I'm on. Um, so, have done a Hyperflex installation, um, so I can certainly touch on mm -hmm. what I found um, good around that. So yeah, that's, that's me really. Awesome, and Darren with the one R. Who are you, what do you do? Um, I'm Darren Fulwell, I'm a, a network architect from uh, another reseller in the UK. Um, yeah, so I'm kind of new to all of this stuff. I've done a bit around UCS, I know, I know what it is and what, it, what, it, what the letters stand for, but Hyperflex is kind of an, uh, a thing I know vaguely about, but I'm interested to learn more. So, so you're ready for here. like the yeah, yeah, yeah. network and storage all, all wrapped into one delicious. All, yeah, yeah. And are you on the Twitters again? Yes, I am. I'm at Darren Fulwell. Awesome. And if we go to Twitter, you too. Yeah. the Hyperflex. Missed oh. I love that. Live the okay, brand. Okay, yes, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so uh, who wants to kick us off? I, I can kick us off if you like. Awesome. Um, so I suppose it would be nice to have a, oh, I've gone all echoey, um, an introduction to what hyperconvergence is. Um, I'm not sure if everyone's fully familiar with that. Yeah. Um, so the evolution of your traditional data center architectures where we're used to having sort of big monolithic storage arrays and then having blocks of compute, um, virtualization uh, and networking uh, patch into that. Um, Hypervergence takes that to the next level where it literally collapses all those different tiers of your storage, networking, compute, et cetera, into one Lego brick tier, if you like. And it just makes things a lot easier. Uh, the, the, um, you know, the cost of entry level is, is hugely uh, reduced. But it does, and it doesn't hurt your feet when you step on it the way Legos do. Indeed, and, to, and uh, <laughs> one thing I noticed about it is is, you know, is the, the smaller footprints and how scalable it is. I mean, I, you know, I can rack a whole 64 no cluster myself, really, whereas previously you was getting forklift trucks in and, yeah. and big you know, uh, racks. And, and, I and I think it's that, that initial you know, time to how, um, I was talking just off mic to Darren with a 1R earlier, um, just about how, you know, from, from our customer's point of view, it's just how quickly they can get their 
developers on the kit to start spinning up workloads. You, you, you nailed it there because it's all about that agility right. and the simplicity. And customers have got used to cloud. They've used yeah, cloud yeah. just because they, they ran out of patience with IT in terms of the amount of time they needed to stand up, the likes of the three-tier architecture, waiting for resources, waiting for the right admin to have free time. They wanted to have that cloud experience themselves and get around some of the likes of shadow IT and compliance issues. So that's where hyperconvergence comes in. It gives yeah. a private cloud experience that can be exactly the same as what they're used to in the so, public so cloud. So basically what you're saying is you've got, you've got your compute storage environment and you can scale it up or scale it down, I suppose, by just adding and removing nodes. Yeah, it's like Lego. So if you had, uh, when we look at the uh, cluster, it's about building out a cluster as a scale out. So as Colin said, the, the resources you're typically used to, the compute memory and the uh, storage, are all in the server. Yep. So things we do slightly different is we already include the network to incorporate how you then join that together. So the fabric interconnects that people are familiar with from UCS yeah. are key in our proposition. Right. So they give low latency, they give a, a predictability in your traffic patterns, because you're going to be sending a lot of traffic, storage traffic, throughout the solution. Across that, across that network, yeah. So that network's key. And where we, we also have a solution, a benefit, is the way we lay our data out throughout that Lego brick. So as you plug more and more Lego in, you can make more and more use of the uh, resources we have a distributed file system. Right. So it's also self-balancing. So we actually look at how we write the data and we have multiple copies going throughout the, the, the solution. So that allows us always to be going across the network. So that's why we have the UCS, right. EFIs, and make use of that. Whereas others try to have data locality pinned to one server and then they run into issues where they may run out of resources or have to move a virtual machine, they have to move storage. Right. We never have that because it's completely distributed from the architecture. Okay. So as we add more and more nodes in a Lego approach, that gives us benefits. We get predictability and scaling of performance as well as consistency of latency. Right. And that's key for as we drive in more and more resources and more and more applications. Okay. Yeah, indeed. So you mentioned there that Hyperflex comes with the uh, UCS Fabric Interconnects, which obviously I'm very familiar with. Um, in other um, hyper-converged solutions I've seen, maybe from other vendors, they don't come with any networking. And certainly, conversations that I've had here at Cisco Live, and whatever, generally a lot of the issues that people find with um, other vendor hyper-converged solutions is generally around network integration right. and network-related issues. Yeah. Yeah, I was just wondering about the, the integration piece. So obviously, we've been doing HyperFlex how long now? Since 2016. Right, yeah. okay. So obviously, ACI, always been a thing um, and I guess ACI is um, more complex when you're dealing with other vendors um, hyperconverged solutions so integration I guess is yeah so, so we, we, we always try and support a better together story around uh, our solutions so ACI being one of them we have qualifications around ACI and it's covered in our CVDs um, we're going back to the the difference in terms of the networking mm. and our approach compared to others if you, if you look at uh, what we need in a network for hyperconvergence, you need the likes of jumbo frames, you need quality of service, you need um, the, the multiple network connectivity uh, for the likes of storage traffic and management traffic. Right. Now we can manage that very nicely in a fabric interconnect environment, but then you compare that to a, a competitor that's running that across a generic network, they're going to need one gig networks for their management ports, they're going to need multiple 10 gig ports for their um, storage traffic. 
they're going to have to create that every time they want to plug a server in, they're going to have to uh, allocate the port, the right VLANs, and go in and configure it all. Now, typically, that's down to the customer to do. Yeah. Whereas our experience, we set that up as we go through the service profiles. And that just makes it nice and easy for a customer. So it's all to roll orchestrated out. in effect yeah, by, the, exactly. by the UCS platform. Yeah. Right, I'm with you. You mentioned there about um, Hyperflex and ACI being a nicely um, complementary of each other. The Hyperflex installation that I did actually was on ACI. Um, the reason we uh, went with ACI on that is that they it's you know, quite a large customer. They've adopted, uh, as most customers do nowadays, the leaf spine uh, architecture going layer three, because obviously you know, us old boy, networking boys know, know layer three good, layer two bad. Um, layer three, first. <laughs> layer, layer three, top of the rack. Um, but being very astute, you know, they, they, they don't want any physical uh, failure domains. You know, if they have a leaky pipe in their data center, so they actually stretch their clusters across multiple racks, which led them to think, okay, well, if we've got a cluster stretched across multiple racks, and our layer three terminates at the top of the rack, that leads us to a bit of an issue, is how do we have you know, different V, or the same VLANs, yeah, but in so different mobility subnet space. The, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, so they, they did look at things like doing funny stuff with DHCP to try and manage that way. Uh, but you know, with an ACI fabric, it was really easy. Mm. We just literally did five EPGs for each of the Hyperflex networks, and those EPGs with the bridge domains with ACI are actually uh, an overlay across all of those racks, so you actually get the best of both worlds, and it was you know, really easy. Nice. So we like easy. Indeed, <laughs> indeed. Oh, yeah. So what, so what do you mean by anywhere? Or that, so, so anywhere means... That we're getting back. Sorry, I want, absolutely. I've been wondering that. So, so anywhere is we're seeing a move from uh, data not residing in the data center. So it's moving to the edge or into the cloud. And we need to have a uh, transition in where people actually look around their architecture, around where they want to house their data. So Hyperflex Anywhere, that we announced here at Cisco Live, would be around, mainly around the edge. So we've already had cloud, in, so our, version, our third generation that we released last year yep. uh, was around multi-cloud. Okay. It integrated into the likes of uh, the cloud elements around cloud center for movement around SeaWarm and AppDynamics for being able to analyze and uh, optimize where the application sat. Uh, but you generically allow customers to coexist an application from a private element into the public, right. and any public. Yeah. So AWS, Azure, uh, Google, we don't care. Now, what we're seeing now is, again, around about a year ago, we were doing quite a bit at the edge. And we had a footprint of three nodes. There's always a problem with edge computing around cluster and witness. Clustering's always need You don't to want a split them, right? brain, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So we, we, we took a very safe approach by having three as our building blocks. Then we didn't have a problem with no witness. We, we had the, you always got to have an odd number. So that was easy. But now we're seeing more and more push for downsizing even more. We're seeing requests for like thousands of sites, uh, two nodes. So the normal way you'd invent how to get around that is you'd have a virtual machine somewhere okay. to control the witness server. Now, as you look at a thousand servers or a thousand sites, you're going to need a thousand, a thousand witness VMs. Right? VMs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a massive overhead. Yeah, yeah. So we thought, okay, Intersight, it's cloud. Use Intersight as a cloud witness. So that's a real big game changer yeah, okay. around how people can scale this sort of solution. So that's where we're now looking around more and more people pushing stuff out to the edge. 
not from not just from a robo or a small branch office offering, but you start thinking about the likes of IoT yeah, and other things around say, those. That sounds like an IoT. We, we can move move more and more types of applications to those edge sites. With Intersight, we can optimize and uh, make it very easy to deploy and also manage and monitor. And then with the two-node option, you've got the cloud witness. It becomes very, very attractive for users. And that's probably one of the biggest um, scaling points we see going forward, is that move to be able to go to the edge. Sure. Yeah. Indeed, and certainly I think when you think edge, uh, it's not you know, just remote offices, it's anywhere where you might have an air gap. Certainly I work a lot in financials, uh, and they love their air gaps there for, yeah, yeah. You know, for firewalls, for DMZs, for PCI environments. Uh, and historically, we would have looked at things like UCS Mini for that, whereas now, obviously, we have the, the Hyperflex Edge nodes. Mm. Um, worth mentioning with the Edge nodes, they don't come with the Fabric Intermix. Correct. So again, you, as, as Darren mentioned, it's, it's absolute minimal. You know, with the, the Cloud Witness with Intersight, we'll, I'm sure we'll, we'll have a good chat about Intersight shortly. Uh, but yes, yeah, it's just it's literally cut, as cut down as and as yeah. efficient as an so, so you could you could run a, a, a smaller uh, operation at a remote office with four U. Right. So we recommend obviously two switches for uh, resilience True. and two nodes as our starting building block. And if you want to grow, you can add either disks into the actual nodes that you've bought, or you can add more nodes up to four. Okay. So it's got future protection and investment protection for a customer, as well as scalability. Sure. So they can then run more and more different workloads out there. And when you start thinking about the likes of other cloud technologies, you could think of the likes of Citrix workspaces. So you can have a uh, workspace running from the Citrix cloud being delivered into an edge site to have the workstations, virtual desktops, sit in there with all the management in the cloud. Okay. When we start thinking about the likes of data protection, we start pushing data back from there, or the likes of file sharing, you can have caching devices as a virtual machine, and then have the actual data centrally located. Another big thing that we, we can push out with this is the likes of SD-WAN. Right. So we can actually set up a, an offering and have, with the likes of Intersight, have a uh, site profile that we can push out, and then change the likes of a, a time zone, or how you want an application, or the, the IP address, change that in the profile and then push it out. So and the it'll then go and push it all out. Specific to Indeed, to I mean, that was yeah. one of the really cool demos I saw yesterday at Cisco Live, which was a, an automated build of uh, Hyperflex on the edge with the integrated SD-WAN. Yeah, yeah I, I, heard, I heard about that one. Yeah, that was a, that's a cool demo. And that's going to get even more. We're, we're looking at how we can push more and more applications um, with Insight as we go forward, because the whole thing around what we want from a, an edge experience is lights out. You don't want to have to go and send somebody no. or go and manage something. It's got to be easy and just scalable. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's another thing you sort of lose track on. As, as, as traditional data or data center guys, we're thinking, no, faster is always good. We want 10 gig, we want 40 gig, we want 100 gig. Out on the, you know, as you say, you've got 100 remote sites, you, you might only have one gig connectivity. Sometimes it's, yeah. not, it's as much about proximity yeah. to reduce the latency as it is to have yeah. Big, yeah. those big circuits, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And we give choice for customers. Obviously, we can support one and 10 gig, depending on what their workloads are. But we, we set the bar that they don't have to go straight to 10, 25, or 40 gig. They can work with one gig if they have that. So mm -hmm. it's nice, nice and attractive for them, yeah. Cool. So what sorts of, um, like, what have been some of the more unique deployments you've seen? I know we just launched it, but, I know, but we also do a bunch of, you know, beta testing with customers sometimes. Yeah, so, so we've got uh, a new thing coming with 4.0, 
HyperX Anywhere is um, the ability to offset some of our compression algorithms into hardware. So we, we do very, very good dedupe compression in software always on. We mm -hmm. make things simple. We don't have customers to have to make a choice or make things post or in line. We just give them that as, as part of the solution. It's part of the base license. They get it. But there's certain workloads that you may want more compression. So what we've done is we've created a PCIe card that can be put into uh, the two, two node, uh, sorry, the two rack unit server, the 240. And that allows us to then offload compression from software into hardware. And it's part of the enterprise license. So you can just turn it on and use it. But it's not completely a single uh, inline solution. If it has an issue, it can drop back to software. So you're not putting at risk your data going through one path that has an issue that you then... And then you've lost that. Yeah, it's exactly. Right, now, okay. that's the first part of what we can see in terms of there's, there's other types of traffic that we might want to put through in a hardware engine that customers sure. might want to optimize in the future. The likes of crypto, likes of uh, erasure coding, those type of things. In, in our roadmap, we're looking yeah, yeah, yeah. at how we can think about those type of things being so uploaded. Back in the hard, having the hardware available, but if it fails, failing back exactly. to software. And that's the beauty of our solution is because we have the hardware element as part of our solution, we mm. can make um, things in UCS available to Hyperflex. We can make innovations at both levels. So we can then definitely think about how we can drop some of that from a PCIe card into FPGA. Okay. Have it as part of the actual building block. Yeah, yeah. And just make use of it. Well, I mean, in the, so yeah, sounds good. So in the interest of keeping everyone honest, so you mentioned there you've got the hardware acceleration. Yeah. Um, offloading the uh, compression from software. That would indicate to me that there is a penalty for doing that compression in software. So we've allocated resources as part of the design around the right. control of VMs. So there, there's a certain amount of vCPUs we need and there's a certain amount of memory. So we, we've been upfront around that as from day one. It's not tunable, it's pre-allocated and we take that off of any size in. So it's always available. Now, the way we do our compression and dedupe is we don't do it in line. So we're not waiting for the acknowledgement, uh, sorry, the actual uh, compression and dedupe to happen before we pass the acknowledgement back to our hosts and our virtual machines. So what we do is we, we basically put it into cache. We create, if we're doing RF3, we create three copies of it across our cluster. Uh, and then we then return the acknowledgement back to the host. So standard ACK. So sort of near line. Yeah. yeah. Now what we do in the background is when we then flush the cache down to uh, drives, either uh, as a hybrid, uh, it goes into the spinning disk, or into an all flash, it goes down to the SSD. We flush that down, we take the original, we don't take all three down, we take the original down, and then we do the deduping compression at that point, and then delete the three copies in cache. Right. It's very uh, economical in terms of resource requirements, and it doesn't affect what the latency is coming back to the I was host. going to say the performance is high because yeah. it's so being done it, in the background. Before it's written down, it, when it gets to rest, it's been deduped and pressed. So there's not a, a huge impact on the uh, on the, the VMs or the applications, and it's all being considered in the yeah. design. Yeah. So we mentioned Intersight yep. earlier. I was going to ask about um, So again, you know, having sort of followed um, Hyperflex's evolution, and not just Hyperflex, UCS as well. Um, I've always heard, you know, Intersight. Oh, we've got a SaaS offering in the cloud to manage it by Intersight. Um, I'm hearing Intersight, Intersight more and more. Um, and I did actually have a little play around with Intersight. Um, I did have a little look at the what's new in Intersight because you know, 
it could be in a, a cloud offering, you know, software as a service, so it's, it's in the cloud, you just log on to it as, as you would any other a website. Um, having a look at the what's new, it seems to be being you know, developed at a rate of knots. There seems to be something new in it every week, looking at the... Yeah, well that, that's the whole beauty of it, because it is a software as a service. So if you think about uh, uh, the typical way we've delivered uh, functionality to manage, it's been a release. Mm. So typically those releases are QA'd, then released, and they can be three to six months every release. And then they need to be deployed. And yeah, yeah. and then right? you've got patches. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. So with it being a software as a service, and the way it's architected, we can make very agile uh, upgrades when functionality becomes available. And that's the way customers are doing their own applications, and we're moving forward that, that as well. As you see, uh, Colin, you get different uh, functionality coming out every week. Yeah, yeah. Indeed. so I mean, just to have a, a quick recap on, for, you know, for those, not everyone will be aware of what Insight yeah, is. Yeah, be useful. So again, it's that software as a service portal where you can register your your standalone UCS servers, your uh, Fabric Interconnects, your UCS Manager, uh, your Hyperflex nodes, yep. UCS Director instances. I know, I think I noticed that is is now in there. Yeah. So that that doesn't mean to say that you now do not manage it via Insight. You still have your own element manager, it's just a nice aggregated portal where you can see right. everything globally. Yeah. Uh, and say the it looks to me like the the functionality is ever increasing. Um, things like I think up to you know firmware management, KVM, I think you can KVM. Yeah, so we so you've got two licenses at the moment, you've got base and essentials. Mm -hmm. um, now with the the, the uh, second license you get the likes of uh, KVM. So you can actually get down via Intersight into the KVM into the, into the of the server. Okay. Uh, you can also, when we mentioned those um, uh, site profiles, you get that as part of the uh, extended license. The base license you get for free with all servers, including HX, and you get enough there to do pretty much what most customers want. So the likes of smart tag. Indeed, so, automatic yeah. logging of tag cases. So they, they can almost predict uh, they don't predict, but they can see a failure come through, TAC can, and they don't have to go and ask the, the generic question, oh, can you wrap all the bundles up and then send them up? Because that's already that's the been biggest done pain as part we've of the all seen. We've yeah, all had yeah, yeah. that. Yeah. So they can go and actually look inside the server because you've given, uh, as part of the ownership, you've, you've connected your server into Insight. And then Insight can then drill down and get the, doesn't get data, uh, as in actual Customer data. It gets I was just going to say there's metadata. Bear in mind, yeah. the privacy stuff. Yeah. So then usernames and passwords no, aren't going to be none suddenly of, none in the of cloud. That. So it's just the the typical stuff that we would normally get across a support bundle. We can still get, sure. but a lot quicker right. and a lot easier for customers. Yeah. But that, so the adva more advanced functionality. So already talked about KVM and that type of thing. Is it? Is what we're seeing there a move to having the control of the whole environment through Intersight? Or? That, that's, so that's the concept we want to go towards. It's, it's like, uh, listeners are probably familiar with Meraki. Yep. It's a very similar concept. Okay. We want to have, when we released UCS, we, we were a game changer around the likes of virtualizing the server and being able to abstract an application and have a profile built around that. So that was, that was quite different in terms of other people's server mentality. Yeah. Same with Intersight. Yeah. It's all about thinking about a server differently about how you want to manage sure. it. Not just compute, but as we spread Intersight, you like, you saw the SD-WAN because yeah, we've yeah. seen through yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. We, we see the likes of some of the Nexus products eventually going to be able to see through it. So there's a lot of things we can do that will allow 
more and more of a, a, a DC environment yeah. managed from the cloud. Yeah. Does that extend to cloud as well? Just out of interest. I mean, it's uh, you know uh, being able to to manage workloads and stuff. Like that. I guess this is more cloud center, is it? That, well, that, that, that so kind of stuff. Cloud Center does move workloads, and obviously with the new announcement around Cloud Center to make it easier. But you've also got the likes of ACI Anywhere of and those sort of things. So there's going to be more and more, I think, that we look from a Cisco data center perspective, yeah, yeah. how we can join that together and make it easier to consume and manage. So I think some of that may go into those type of cloud offerings. And they, they could be, and again, you don't physically put anything into Cloud uh, into, into Site. We're calling APIs down into these into tools. The tools so course. it could be that we, we call an API into the, the SD-WAN element to show the, the Viptela in, yeah. integration. And I, I guess that's where I was going with that, yeah. was that, that um, more and more you're seeing or the tools being brought together to give that end-to-end -end experience. It's mm. something I'm talking about a lot this week, that, that thing of being able to control an application or whatever from the point of the user accessing it right way through to the workloads that are providing the, the access to the yeah. application. So. Yeah, and one thing I, I was quite impressed with with Intersight when I was having to play about with it is when I was looking at the more advanced feature like they launched the KVM, et cetera, I was thinking, well, this must be a nightmare of trying to configure your firewalls to do natting to allow Insight in to talk to that. And But it all relies on external connectivity from the managed device via an SSL tunnel. All Every bit of traffic is originated from within your data center, can go via a proxy. Yeah. So you've got no complex NAT to set up. And even traffic that you know, you initiate from Intersight, comes through that same through tunnel. SSL mm. tunnel that's initiated from the, inside. From the inside. And, and if it's still a concern, we have got the on-prem version. So you can actually run Intersight on-prem. There's still a connectivity that needs a, a heartbeat. So, yeah, I was yeah, just gonna say, yeah. again, sounds like a theme here, but, but that idea of having a, um, a, a satellite version of the, of, uh, of the service sat on, the, on a customer site, right? Yeah, you've got the likes of some military installations or some governments that don't want to have cloud access into yeah. their infrastructure. Good reasons. Yeah. We have an on-prem that can see it and give the same experience, but have more control over it from, from their perspective. Right. So that's where you can say, I only want this data to be sent up to the actual cloud version of Insight. Exactly. Yes. So worth recapping, Insight is free. To set up, to set up you, know, you just need your CCO account yep. and that first device to register. So, and this is what I was thinking think about. Is, is for me, setting up an Insight account now is, is a no-brainer. Everyone should be doing it. Um, I'll do it in my backyard, yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> I, mean, I used to always recommend to customers, if they've, certainly if they've got a large enough install base, if they've got several UCS domains, of just put a, you know, an instance of UCS Central in, for example, just so they've got that whole aggregated portal view of their whole estate. Um, and to be honest, you can get that exact same experience now with Insight. Mm. Correct. It is, it is a no-brainer. It is, is there for making life easier for customers. And as you said, in terms of the functionality gets added, you can then make use of that in terms of, depending on what license you've got and where we put that functionality, you can get easy access to it. So you're going to get different rollouts in terms of some of the support around different parts of the architecture as we roll that out. You may have that already. So you can then add in those type of components. Cool. Yeah. And certainly from some of the Cisco techs I've been speaking to in the world of solutions and the um, uh, partner village. There's a lot of R&D um, going into Intersight. So I think that, you know, the functionality we're going to see there is only going to grow and grow and grow. Right. So it really makes sense to try and get in on the ground floor. Absolutely, yes. The other thing I did actually uh, um, have, it, I mean, this has cost me a lot of pain in the past uh -oh. of out of date 
drivers ah. within vSphere, you know, like your Enix and your FX. Okay, yeah. Having just an out of date or a bad driver, it can, can really kill performance. And one thing I did notice on the Essentials license within Site, it will do an HCL check of your drivers. Correct. So that, yeah. that is powerful. As you grow and you have a, a very large installations, even or actually you can even small installations, but trying to find information around what you have and what you don't have is really hard. And that makes it is very, and if you have insight, having that connector and having knowledge of everything inside those servers, yeah. we get a really quick way of being able to turn that around. Yeah, yeah. And then I guess it's not a bridge too far to either do an upgrade or a mediation from inside or tie it into VAM or, or something around them. Correct, yeah. And that's the way we're going to go. I think if you look at... So I was going to ask, okay, yeah. okay, where, where does it go from there? Well, so, so if you look at the moment with uh, Hyperflex, we have uh, one-click upgrade to be able to come, uh, upgrade uh, VMware, ESX, uh, the UCS manager element, and also the HX element. Right. And that's driven by HX Connect. Yeah. All Insight will have to do is call an API down into there to kick that off kick as well. So off, we, yeah. we can start seeing more and more of that coming up into Insight. Sure. Um, not available yet. But in the future, it's, it's the obvious place it's going to end up. Yeah. But we're not actually discussing a roadmap right nope. now. Okay, good. No. Just want to make sure. Yeah. I don't want to get fired. No. Thanks. Yeah. This is more <laughs> conceptual. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Hypothetically yeah. speaking. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So again, I, I did take the opportunity of popping into the Cisco area to have a look at again being an engineer. Um, while I'm talking about it, I, I love sort of rolling my sleeves up and seeing and still touching the kit and having a good look at it. I couldn't help noticing on the lovely Hyperflex array that there's a nice new colourful sticker for all, all NVMe. NVMe. Absolutely. So should we have a quick chat about NVMe, what oh, it does yeah, for us? Yeah. yeah. So, so we've been using NVMe from a cache perspective. And we, we obviously optimising how we write and read um, has always been a, 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 a major part of the solution from our hybrid days um, because you need to optimise from uh, Flash before you write to hybrid. Sure. So we had very uh, good technology built around our file system, designed for Flash. We then released the all-Flash, and we, we could actually move part of the cache and only have it optimized for writes. We don't have to have a recache. So you then go down into the SSD layer for your reads. And then when we went a step further, we, we introduced NVMe cache, which would optimize our writes even more. But now there's a generic, uh, sorry, a workload requirement for certain workloads that need even more performance. And having NVMe throughout the back end as well gives us optimized reads. So we can really take those uh, applications that need really low latency and uh, very, um, uh, very aggressive workloads. We can position those into those all NVMe solutions. And that gives us an advantage because if you think about what we were talking about right at the start is the, the three-tier architectures, the servers, and the storage. There was a lot of... Um, thought put into those in terms of driving that latency out. We had all flash arrays, the likes of some of our partners, the likes of Pure and NetApp, around really creating low latency right. for the storage requirements. And those applications, we're seeing more and more of them now moving into hyperconvergence. So we have to keep track with that to give that same performance and the same low latency. And that's allowing when the all NVMe gives us that ability to then support right. those applications, right. yeah. yeah. So just, just to recap, NVMe, so we've obviously got, you know, in speed terms, we've got a CPU, which is, you know, crazy, crazy fast. You've got your DRAM, which is crazy fast, but generally much smaller capacities. And then historically now, we're, even with the SSDs, they've, relatively speaking, even an SSD is pretty slow. 
well, in comparison. Indeed. So now yeah. we've got that NVMe tier that can sort yeah. six fight. So I'm, so I'm guessing that the capacities of NVMe have now grown to an extent which makes that a logical step to, to yeah. start replacing it's, be, it's becoming more um, available to generic workloads and generic solutions. Whereas before, it was always targeted at like the supercomputing element where you, you'd have density built in, but it would be very available only for certain applications. With the, the use of our Intel partnership and the ability around our UCS architecture, we've been able to architect that very, um, I'll never say cheap with Cisco, but very economically <laughs> sound. <laughs> that we can put that into a footprint that people can afford and uh, deploy. So this is, as it, so that NVMe could potentially be extra RAM or disk. I think you can run out either two more. You can, but within a Hyperflex perspective, it's just disk. So we don't use its memory, but NVMe can be used for that. Yeah. What sort of capacity is that in and over the NVMe? I think we're looking at um, four terabyte um, drives. Um, again, the, with the qualifications we're pulling together at the moment for the release of 4.0, there, there's going to be what, what we have in the UCS footprint we can then qualify. So there, there'll be some as we move forward, like we've done with SSDs, anything we get available in uh, UCS, we'll try and then allocate into Hyperflex. So do we have anything to more to talk about on NVMe? Um, but it's all good, crazy fast. All good, yeah. So I mean, this potentially then is you know, the disk has always been the choke point of any server. Yeah. I mean, you know, we had spinning disk, SSD, but it, SSD was still the choke point. The sort of speeds now that NVMe can get up to is now moving that choke point to the I.O. bus, potentially, the PCIe slots. Yeah. And that, that's where NVMe helps because of the 3D cross point. We're trying to, you put just a standard um, NVMe solution together with the back end uh, bus, you are going to run into those bottlenecks. Yeah. So 3D Crosspoint, the way it's architected, is architecting that out. And that's why it's so, the um, way we've worked with uh, Intel and having Octane around it, that's given us a huge advantage in terms of what we're seeing in those performances. And as we come to market, what application is going to be down on, and put down onto those solutions. Okay. Yeah. Cool. yeah. So just, just, I guess, to finish up on the, the workloads then. So again, we've seen Hyperflex go through new, you know, its fourth reiteration now. Yeah. It was always, you know, what workloads are suitable for Hyperflex, what workloads aren't. Um, again, in the first generation, I was seeing you know, a, a reasonable list of what was not suitable for Hyperflex, yep. or not optimized for Hyperflex, generally big databases and things like that. That list is now rapidly shrinking. I think uh, there's a ratified SAP HANA right. installation now on Hyperflex. So is, is there anything still on that list of, of when you would still look to maybe a, a traditional more converged architecture versus a hyper-converged? Um, it's narrowing a lot. Obviously, with when we come out with the uh, uh, the NVMe solution, that becomes even smaller. But at the moment, if you did need sub millisecond latency, at the moment, you'd probably still go between uh, down to a um, converged infrastructure, converged. Yeah. an old-fashioned infrastructure. Because the way a virtual machine will work, typically you're you're targeting around a millisecond type latency with our solution at the moment, and the way it's benchmarked, that's typically a read and then five millisecond writes, uh, those type of things. So you, no, sorry, the other way around. It's, it's, a, it's a millisecond uh, write, five, because you're typically going to go back into cache or into, into drives. So the way we shape those solutions and where we size them, we're working around those parameters. Now, if you need anything lower than that, that's when you're going to look at an all-flash type purpose, or you're going to put something directly in a, a server to try and get that addressed in terms of latency. But that, that, that's coming down a lot. 
I think the other thing is, as you mentioned, some of those workloads, we're seeing the likes of um, virtual desktops or the likes of anything that requires GPUs really accelerating as well because we've got the ability to have GPUs not only in the nodes, the two U nodes, but also as we have the compute only options, we can really target GPU requirements into those. So we're seeing the likes of uh, AI and ML workloads coming on. We're seeing virtual reality, and we have it here. You can go and yeah, yeah, see yeah. it. It's, uh, it's amazing. Um, but that, that, that's given us a lot of options around how uh, consumers want to use uh, the likes of graphics or the likes of um, artificial intelligence machine learning across the ecosystem. Which target. kind of back into that whole IoT edge thing that we talked Correct. about before, right? So, so we, we run an example with Intel. Uh, this doesn't actually need GPUs. They're using standard Xeon processors and some of the uh, addresses they can call and some of the functionality in the CPU to do facial recognition in a retail experience without having to have GPUs. Yeah. So that's massive as we talk about edge, yeah, that yeah. they can drop that application into an edge environment and have that running at the store without having to have extra investment yeah. around GPUs. Uh, very yeah. topical at the moment. I was watching the news this morning. I don't know if any of you guys saw this about how the next generation of you know, fake facial recognition of you know, basically superimposing someone else's face on someone else's face and oh, you know, the fake news thing. Donald yeah, Trump, yeah. I've just launched a nuclear attack and it's not him, it's a completely generated version of him. Yeah. That's so why I'm going to wear like a, yeah. a filter over my face that makes me look pixelated everywhere I go. <laughs> yeah, You'll never know who I am. Uh, cool. Awesome. Well, unless there's further things that I think we're Anything good. we haven't touched on, Darren, yeah, that you'd like to make me aware of on world at large. On Otherwise, I can wrap this up. I, I can talk hours for Hyperflex, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, I think we've, we've, we've covered a lot of the, the, the things we've seen. Obviously, where we've got lots of new uh, customers adopting it. We're seeing uh, different uh, workloads coming on and different ways they're using it. We're seeing different um, size customers and the importance of it coming into customers is increasing more. Um, I think it was always deemed to be a commercial play. That's further from the truth than any more now. We're seeing multinationals, enterprise accounts, looking at how they can base their whole operation on Hyperflex. They've got the trust of the product, and they can understand when we're, the innovation we've driven for the past three years, they, they, they're looking at and seeing, what's next? We want yeah. more, yeah. we want more. And the BU that I work really closely with, they're, they're, they're really keen to drive this and drive more and more. So we're always open to what do people want next? And we can, can't promise it, but we're always looking at what is next that we can deliver. Awesome. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you. Ah, thank you, Darren, Darren, and Colin. We will rename you Darren with Indeed, three R's. answer to Darren. <laughs> All right. This has been another awesome episode of Cisco Champions Radio, and I'll see you all next week or some other time. Toodles. <laughs>